The ghost says The cat says The goblins say Trick or treat, it must be Halloween. Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius. Happy Halloween, everyone. I know right now it's a house of horrors for a lot of Bucks fans as they've lost three in a row and dropped five out of their last six. But it is Halloween nonetheless. So uh, let us know in the chats what you or, uh, you know, if you're an adult and you have kids, maybe the kids are dressing up, but let us know what the family's going as for a Halloween this year as we talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as well. I'll tell everyone what my Halloween costume was, and I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joining with me is my fellow esteemed colleague from PeterReport.com, Josh Capo. Josh is kind enough to join us today on this Halloween. So Josh, a happy Halloween to you, and how are you doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Can't complain. Can't complain. Now, did you dress up for uh, Halloween this year? I did not, uh, at least not for the daytime. Today was uh, an office day from home (laughs) for me, so not much of a need. Um, However, when we take the kids out later tonight, my wife will probably go ahead and decorate me up as a zombie with the the face makeup. How about yourself? I was pretty, in terms of my outfit this year, I was pretty low-key. Um, I was trying to do a last second like Jackie Moon outfit because I was Napoleon Dynamite a couple years ago. So I have the like the, 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 the curly hair ready to go. Yeah. But uh, unfortunately, the store I went to did not have a Jackie Moon jersey. So instead, wow. I was just like, oh, I'll be I'll be a basketball player. So I put on a Shaquille O'Neal jersey and put on like, actually, I have it right here. I put on like a headband and an arm sleeve go. and like that stuff. So now, it was what did long- you, yeah. you last year? It required you to shave your mustache if i remember correctly yeah so to get back to our old uh sopranos conversation i was a christopher from the from the sopranos and uh there's a scene where he wears like a neck brace if you watch a show everyone will, will know what i'm talking about but um yeah i was christopher last year i was austin powers a couple of years ago that was one of my favorite halloween costumes i was patrick from spongebob uh had the whole suit so uh I was also Captain Underpants a couple years ago, for those go. that know Captain Underpants. My so. kids would be going crazy to hear that you say that. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, big, big Captain Underpants fans. Awesome. I'll uh, I'll have to send you a picture of my costume. I definitely have it somewhere from a couple years ago. But now I want everyone to look at a picture of these beautiful Celsius energy drinks. Of course, Celsius is the presenting sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. We love Celsius for multiple different reasons starting with the variety of flavors that they have you know you have the arctic vibes the the uh peach vibes tropical vibes so many different flavors there if you also want to go a different route you know you can go the peach mango the cola the uh cucumber lime is what i've been drinking a lot recently for the celsius energy drink so variety of different flavors seven essential vitamins uh you know it's it it's the healthy version of an energy drink and uh, so where can you get these Celsius energy drinks? Well, one, you can go to the store locator on the Celsius website. Find out where there's a Celsius near you. It could be your local bodega, convenience store, gas station. Or if you want to send straight to your house or apartment, just go to Amazon, do the subscribe and save. And I'd recommend getting the variety pack because variety is the spice of life. Have it sent to your house or apartment. You could set it up every one week, to one week, two weeks, three weeks, uh, whatever it is. Just make sure you're drinking a Celsius energy drink. Hashtag Celsius Live Fit, the official sponsor of the Peter Report podcast. And Josh, 
you know, today's episode, we're going to talk a lot about uh, the trade deadline that's coming up tomorrow at 4 o'clock, November 1st at, at 4 p.m., as I just mentioned. And for me, when we talk about the Bucks and, you know, will they make a trade? Will they be a seller at the deadline? I'm kind of convinced that you can go either way with, with the Bucs right now. I, I don't think they're going to be sellers because you have Tom Brady and you're only one game out of first place in the NFC South, as crazy as that sounds. And it really should be the Panthers at the top. As we learned, it's it's the Falcons, but not for a lack of effort by, by the Panthers who really should have won that game. But for me, when I really, and I'll stop babbling on here, but for me, what I really think is um, – a concern for the box is that it's not just like, Oh, they need a pass rusher. All right, we did it. We made our move. It's like, you need help in the secondary. You need help on the defensive line. You need a third wide receiver. So there's a lot of different ways that the bucks can go with this draft. So I'll ask you, or with this trade deadline. So I'll ask you, Josh, one, should they be buyers? Should they hold Pat? And two, what position should they, I guess, uh, go after first? If, you really only have one or two options. Oh, Be, you're muted. No, nope, oh, there nope, we that go. Was my, yeah. <laughs> um, I would say I would like to see them be a modest buyer. Um, because do you really want to be the team that's sold on Tom Brady? Like, right. <laughs> I don't know if anybody wants that claim to infamy. Um, so I would say a modest buyer. I don't want to mortgage too much of the future um in terms of, of the talent that may be out there and what the asking prices are but i think you can definitely supplement this roster with a couple of additions and i'd like to see the bucks maybe do a couple of those for some later round uh compensation mark here thank you mark for all his commenting in here he wants a new offensive coordinator uh <laughs> i'll give up a couple of firsts for kyle shanahan as offensive coordinator sure let's do that we're done. Uh, yeah. Okay. Podcast yeah. Over. There you go. <laughs> Season back on track, you know, Super exactly. Bowl, here we come. And uh, there were a couple of trades early on in this trade deadline. The big one today, obviously, was Roquan Smith getting traded to the team that the Bucs just played, the, the Baltimore Ravens. It's really funny because right after the game, and you and I did the, the game day stream, we had a very fun time despite how badly the Bucs played. Once again, but like right as we were done, right after the pewter uh, post game show with myself and Scott Reynolds, I like immediately got a tweet uh, from someone on Twitter. So shout out to them if they're listening to this. And they asked me like if uh, the Bucks should go after Roquan Smith. And I was like, yeah, at this point, the Bucks should be going after anyone that's going to make their team better. And I would have thought that Roquan Smith would make their team better. And you could figure out everything with Devin White and that after. But now to see him go to the Ravens, what, what was that deal for? I think it was a second. Second and, and a fifth, I think. Yeah. So that position in particular, I know everyone's like, Devin White's got to get out of here. You had an awesome, awesome <laughs> video about everything that Devin White did wrong. Not even everything. You can only put so much into <laughs> right, one YouTube yeah. video. But a lot of the things that Devin White did wrong, and I would implore everybody on this show, if you haven't watched that video yet, go to our YouTube channel, Pewter Report TV. Josh did a fantastic job of really pointing out where there were the issues. But the, the reason why I'm laughing is, I mean, one, you did it like right after the game. So we're talking about like two or three in the morning. And just the 
the inflection of your voice, the exasperation of like, <laughs> I can't believe we're at this point with the Bucks and Devin White in the season. But the world has to see this because yeah. you can't keep getting away with this. You know? Exactly. <laughs> and it was so funny because like I didn't expect that to really go anywhere. And I want to give a big shout out to Casey Hudson because at 1.30 in the morning, I shoot her a text and I'm like, hey, can you make me a graphic? Because I am not visually yeah. like you and Casey and what you guys do with, with our um, YouTube channel and with the graphics and everything that, that you guys do. It's, it's a talent I will never have. And so I appreciate it so much for what you guys are able to do. And you support me in making those videos and things like that. And uh, so I shot her a text at 1.30 in the morning. I was like, is there any way you can make me a graphic? Because I need to get some stuff off my chest. And she did it. She pulled it off for me. So at 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm putting this video together. And yeah, I mean, I was... I, for what you and I saw during that game, and, and you really kind of like got me looking at him more and more throughout the game when he made that, um, when he was dancing after Lamar yeah. got the first day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, I most, just, I, uh, the most hollow and pyrrhic, pyrrhic, that's a SAT word if you ever want to use that. There you the go. most pyrrhic of victories. Uh, yeah. was getting that tackle while the Ravens got a first down. So, yeah, I had had it, and so I went on my rant. And then it was so funny to watch uh, Buccaneer legend uh, Warren Sapp picked up on the exact same play that set me off uh, and set you off uh, just on his Instagram, I think it was yesterday or something like yeah. that. So, yeah, the entire world is uh, not very happy, at least in the Bucks universe, is not happy with Devin White right now. Look at that. Warren Sapp calling it out. You calling it out. You have Hall of Fame talent. Just maybe not <laughs> athletically. <laughs> First person ever accuse me of that. <laughs> no, wow. you have Hall of Fame talent just as, uh, you know, as more of a scouter slash uh, video breakdown person. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe. I'm taking Warren Sapp at defensive tackle over you. That's all, that's all I'm saying. No, oh, no offense all right. There. Well, now you've given away a draft strategy for something you and I are planning later <laughs> next month. Yes, yeah. Stay tuned for that. The Bucks bye week. I know there's not a lot going on during the bye, but uh, we have a very fun show during the bye week uh, that I think a lot of Bucks fans will enjoy. We'll give more details on that um, a little bit later. But getting back on track with you know trade possibilities – Let's start with the defensive side um, because defense wins championships and Scott Reynolds would be upset if we talked about the offense first before uh, before the defense. But for all of the issues and struggles with Devin White, and we talked about it a lot on Thursday's show, I don't foresee the Bucs trading Devin White right now unless they get a deal similar to that. I don't see the Bucs trying to bring in another inside linebacker unless it's gone. They're not bringing anyone that's going to start over Devin or Levante. Maybe they can make the case. Obviously, they put K.J. Britt on IR, so they're going to be without him for a while. Sure, you can make the case of, all right, let's get like a third string inside linebacker because we're not ready to put all of our faith in Ola Kunle, Fadukasi, or J.J. Russell. Um, but let's look a little more at the front of the defense, uh, the, the defensive line, and really with edge rusher with, uh, you know, with Shaq Barrett, unfortunately, out for the rest of the season. Is there any edge rusher? I know we can talk about Bradley Chubb. We could talk about the edge rusher, Josh Allen, not the quarterback, even though I Bucks would love to trade for that Josh Allen right now. Is there, I know the Broncos, it was reported that they were looking for a first round pick from Bradley Chubb. I think that's like 
wacky crazy to give up a first round pick for for Chubb when you know this is the first year where he's been the guy as the as the pass rusher for the Broncos and he's still like a, a good pass rusher but I don't know I just think it's more convoluted next year I'm not sure what Chubb's contract is right now but you look at next year and then it's like all right well you got you got Shaq Barrett again and are you completely giving up faith on Joe Tryon showing good it's not a I don't know. It's not the the ideal place for that. Yeah. So from a contract standpoint, it would be a one year rental. Okay. He he is an unrestricted free agent at the end of this year. I believe he's playing on his fifth year option. Um, so you'd be giving up a first for half a season of Chubb. Right. Um, which is a really high price to pay. Uh, but I mean, it kind of that would work with the Bucks window on a couple of different fronts. Number one. It would um, <clears throat> it it meshes with the fact that Brady's probably not back next year, that they're going to be in cap hell next year, and that you don't have to worry about a large cap number from Bradley Chubb next year comp, uh, complicating things going forward. So I think from that standpoint, it makes a ton of sense. Is Bradley Chubb worth a first rounder? I I don't know if I'd give that up. Uh, if it were me sitting in the chair, um, maybe a second, maybe a second and like a fifth the following year. Those are maybe a couple things I would give up for Tra Bradley Chubb. I don't think I would give up the first, um, especially because next year you're probably going to be in some type of pivot or rebuild um, to a certain degree. And so that first rounder becomes pretty important, especially as you try to figure out what you're going to do at quarterback going forward. So I think the compensation asked from Denver is going to be really difficult. Um, they also just won. So, you know, literally yesterday, and they're kind of all in on their quarterback. So while they're listening to offers, I really feel like Denver's in the position where they need to be blown away by the offer. So it's yeah. not one of those things where the Bucks can do what I just suggested, which is I don't want to give them the, the market value they're looking for. I'd be willing to give up a lesser package. And I think that the the Broncos would probably say no to that. So I don't know if the two match up unless the Bucks just go full overpay. Yeah, I hear that. Um, there is someone else that I want to talk about. That's, of course, Josh Allen. I, I just mentioned him before. I'm very curious to get your take on him, what type of draft capital it would take with that. But, of course, you know we're at 419. We normally do this at 420, which is coming up in just a moment but we got this very fun thing i'm looking for the graphic called roll call we do it right at 420 eh, sometimes we got a little bit late but that's all right too but we do roll call where you at peter people we have so many awesome fans that watch the peter report podcast that are fans of peterreport.com and we could not appreciate you guys enough for what you do for watching our shows to buying, you know, products of our advertisers to being a part of the show too, with all of your hilarious and very insightful, uh, you know, comments uh, on the chat that we like to put up on the screen. So in uh, a couple of seconds, Josh is going to talk about uh, Josh Allen of a, a fellow Josh and Josh Allen's are uh, very common in, in the Peter report world with JC <laughs> Allen as well. So, uh, I want you to tell us about Josh Allen, the edge rusher, what you think he's worth in terms of what the Bucks, if they were to trade for him, what they would give up for, and if it's a similar situation 
to Jace, uh, to uh, to Bradley Chubb, who we were just talking about. So in the meantime, while you do that, I'm going to put everyone's uh, names where they're watching from on the screen. And uh, yeah, start doing that and you'll get your name on there. Yeah, so the other Josh Allen, the Jaguars Josh Allen, the edge rusher Josh Allen, that's a guy I'd be willing to give up a first for. I mean, I think he's proven to be a much better pass rusher over the course of his career. He's been in purgatory known as Jacksonville for four years, so I think a lot of people don't realize how good he is as an edge rusher, but he is a he is definitely a number one. Even if the sack production hasn't quite been there over the course of his career, um, he definitely gets the pressure that's needed, and I think that that could convert to um, sacks. Uh, sack is sacks are a notoriously volatile stat, but um, this year he's got 32, I think, pa- uh, pressures on 236 pass rush snaps, and that's an incredible. I want to say almost 15 percent, if my math is right, 13 and a half percent, which is right in the Shaq Barrett's wheelhouse. Um, right where he's kind of done his pressuring over the course of his career. So you'd be replacing Shaq Barrett's production from a pressure standpoint and even as a run defender, almost one for one. Uh, the other thing that you would get with Josh Allen, the edge, would be um, not just a, a half-year rental. He's uh, under contract next year with his fifth-year option uh, for, I want to say, around $12 million. This year his cap hits $7 million. The Bucks only have about $4 million worth of room, but the Jaguars can create room for the Bucks by just converting most of his salary this year into a signing bonus that they would pay out to him. And then the Bucks could take on basically like a league minimum salary for this year. They'd still be on the hook for the full $12 million next year, but they do have opportunities to create that room. Um, so that's definitely a feasible one. That's one where I'd be willing to give up a first rounder. If you just decide you do want to go all in, cause I think the talent is there. Plus you get the additional benefit of next year, um, in terms of his ability to produce for the team. And if you don't have Brady next year and you're not good around the trade deadline, you could flip him again and recoup some of the draft capital that you gave up. So for my money, I'm going after Allen well before I ever go up for uh, out for Chubb if the asking prices are similar. Appreciate all your insight on that. Uh, you always you always come with the great insight uh, and analysis. Uh, so yeah, it's a it's a very strong case you make. And of course, you know the Bucks have a history of making deals with the Jaguars, and I, I do think you see from time to time that. Certain teams will be more inclined to trade with teams that they've had relationships with before or, you know, have made trades with in the past. Let's remember the Bucs traded out of the first round by giving up their their pick to the Jaguars. And eventually they got Logan Hall on the defensive line uh, for that. So a super chat from Leo that we will get to in just a moment. Before that, though, I want to tell you guys all about our friends at uh, Seminole Hard Rock in Tampa the number one casino that you, yeah, I'm talking to you, should be going to. Just the way you like it. Me and my wife decided we'll have some fun. I was playing a two-cent machine. Six bets in, I hit a jackpot. $117,000. Hi, my name is Tara, and I want over $500,000 playing slot. I do this full-time, and I would not change it for the world. I'm Gloria. I won over $2 million at Seminole Hard Rock Casino. I went and bought a bunch of jewelry. <laughs> my name is Mike, and I won over $350,000. I love playing back rock because it is different. When you pull in that car and you flip over that nine, beating that eight, can't miss. I'm Jimmy. I won 
more than a half million dollars in a slot tournament at Seminole Hard Rock in Tampa. Even a blind squirrel can get a nut sometimes. <laughs> my name is Philip, and I won 215000 on Blazing Sevens. Put my last $40 on the table, next thing you know, bam, 215000 jackpot. I hit that bad boy. I didn't realize how much it would change my life. You only live once. Have fun with it, right? Anybody can win. It's Seminole Hard Rock in Tampa. when you can win big over at the Seminole Hard Rock in Tampa. Now let's get to our old pal Leo with another super chat, $4.99. Thank you, Leo. He says, I was listening to New York radio station. A former Jets beat writers was saying that the Bucks look like a Bulls coach team. Zero energy and lifeless. Leo, first of all, tell me which station you were listening to. Uh, <laughs> I'm just wondering if it was uh, Boomer Sizen. It used to be Boomer and Carton. Now the show in the afternoon, it's Carton and Roberts. Anyway, um, yeah, you know, it's interesting. You know, I could comment on this with my history of watching the Jets growing up and, and Todd Bowles. Bowles, I think more than anything else, coaching the Jets – there's a couple things you could factor in. One, it's the Jets and things always go wrong for them. Two, you know, they never really truly had a quarterback there. Three, Todd Bowles, you know, uh, his first time coaching around, and you would expect him to be better this time around with the Bucs. But the Jets just never had the talent that the Bucs had. So, you know, that first year, they went 10-6, and six, but they didn't make the playoffs. But they lost, you know, last game of the season, they had to beat the Bills, who aren't the Bills that they are now. And yeah, sure, maybe you could point to maybe they didn't have that killer instinct that you would expect. And then they went through the quarterback carousel of Mark Sanchez to Ryan Fitzpatrick to uh, what's his name? The guy that played at Penn State. They had, you know, um, it was the worst draft pick of all time. I've tried to black it out of my memory. But, um, <laughs> you know, outside of that first year, they didn't have the talent and they weren't able to overcome that. And now the Bucks do have the talent and you're seeing a, a lot of – you know, again, teams being lifeless or this team being lifeless, this team not being able to overcome the smallest little bit of adversity. So I'm not going to say yet that this is like, uh, yeah, Christian Hackenberg. Thank you. Thank you, Jeremy. I completely forgot it was Christian Hackenberg because, again, I tried to get it out of my mind. Long Thanks, Jeremy, for, yeah. for bringing up that PTSD for him. No, it's all right. <laughs> I have new PTSD, you know. The Mets underachieved. The Jets lost to the Patriots. With Zach Wilson not showing that he's the quarterback of the future. But anyway, the, the point I was really trying to get to when you talk about Bowles in this team, I don't I don't think it's fair to say that Bowles has like lost the locker room just yet. But I am a little tired of, hey, like we're practicing really well. We're uh, you know, we're doing great things in practice, not just <coughs> translating over into the game. Well, I don't know how true that is when Mike Evans and Tom Brady don't look to be on the same page. And when they're not on the same page, how can you expect anyone else to really have it together? So I'm not going to say that Bowles has lost the locker room, but like someone needs to pick it up. Someone needs a stern talking to maybe Byron needs to go. Maybe that's the one thing that'll flip the switch, but I don't know. I just, I do see maybe not all the way, but small similarities compared to like when he coached the jets. Yeah. I'm not ready to go there yet. And I do not have the same, um, history with the Jets that you do, or obviously the Jets beat writers do. 
<clears throat> when when we talk about losing the locker room, though, I find it hard to believe that that's happened when you look at the first half of play or the first quarter yeah. and a half from the past game. You know, the Bucks looked really good coming out. I mean, they looked they they got up to a ten nothing lead, and it looked they were shutting down the the Ravens offense. They were moving the ball up and down the field on the Ravens defense. The, typically, you don't get that when the head coach has lost the locker room, right? They're just listless from the opening uh, whistle to the closing whistle. So I don't think that that's the case. I think that there is a huge, huge opportunity for this coaching staff. And this goes, uh, this is Bowles before he became head coach in terms of second half adjustments, right? Mm -hmm. That's something that, that plagued him when he was defensive coordinator. So I think that there's an issue there. I think that there we've we've droned on ad nauseum about um, the opportunities and play calling on the offensive side of the ball. I think it's very interesting if you go back to how Bowles became head coach. He's this is technically not his coaching staff, right? At least not on the offensive side of the ball, because when he was named head coach, it was after the entire um, coaching season, you know, changing of the season. Uh, had happened. It was very late in the process after every other team had basically rounded out their coaching staffs. Bowles was named uh, head coach. Yeah. And they decided that they were going to keep the entire coaching staff intact. And, you know, while obviously this is a Super Bowl winning coaching staff, that doesn't mean it's Todd Bowles's coaching staff. You would assume it's his on the defensive side because he was the defensive coordinator, but he didn't have any opportunities. And I'm not saying he would have taken those opportunities. But on the offensive side of the ball, that's those are Bruce Arians' guys. Um, so for me, I have a bit of a longer leash than I think most. I tend to try and uh, ride the waves a little bit more. I'd like to see what Todd Bowles can do with an offseason where he can really say, this is now my team, my coaching staff, my everything. And then you can hold him completely accountable to whatever the results may be. So that's my my kind of take on it. In terms of like what you see on the sidelines, you know, that can be interpreted so many different ways, you know, and a lot of it just becomes the scoreboard, right? If there's a whole lot of jawing and you're losing, oh, they've, you know, they're busting at the seams. There's a whole lot of jawing and they're winning. Oh, they're passionate. If there's not a whole lot of, um, if there's not a whole lot of, of uh, you know, life on the sidelines when they're winning, they're all business. If there's not a whole lot of life on the sidelines when they're losing, you know, they don't care. Like the narrative is no, yeah. based on the results. You're right? a, you're a, you're a million percent. You're a million percent true. It's exact. It's no matter what way it is, you can spin the story however you want with like player body language and, exactly. and player actions and things like that. Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay times had a, had a great, uh, he was answering to an answer, but he quote tweeted something where he was like, yeah, it's, you know, it's BS. Cause like, yeah, I'm paraphrasing here, but you know, if your team is good, it's like, okay. Yeah. Like Bill Parcells, he was a guy that full. Matt, I think I lost you.
Did I get you back? I believe I'm back. <laughs> yes, I am. Apologies <laughs> about that. Yeah, it just went blank. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> That's. Uh, I thought it was on my end. I was like, oh great. Nope, nope. That was just me. Uh, apologies for that, for everyone. Technology sometimes uh, that happens. But uh, what I was trying to say is like. You know, Parcells was wasn't like a loud rah rah type of guy, but he gets credit when he's just like, "Oh, he's going to be angry after the game." And it's the same thing with um, Tony Dungy, like where you know he wasn't the guy yelling all the time and going crazy. So if they're losing, it's like what? Like he's got to get in their faces. But if they're winning, it's like, oh yeah, like they're all responding to this guy. They're you know they're they're really taking to his message and everything like that. So yeah, right. you can really. You could flip it however way you want to. Yeah, and I think the other thing is like there people are there's a public persona and then there's a behind the scenes persona, not just for bowls, but I think for the entire team, right? And some people are a little bit closer between the two. Um, but I like I'll give myself as an example. Like in my other life, when I'm talking to my team, I am I, I, people tell me all the time, like, you're the most positive person I've ever met. You're yeah. constantly looking at the bright side. And then I'm like, okay, as soon as I get off the phone with you, there's 14 F-bombs. I'm throwing stuff. Like, <laughs> you don't see the other side, right? Yeah. And I think that there, there's a lot to be considered there in terms of, you know, if I, I see fans a lot, like on Twitter or whatnot, like they'll say, you know, you don't see bowls blowing up at people. Uh, well, you don't see it. That right. doesn't mean the team doesn't see it, right? So I think that um, it's hard to get those gauges. If if you, I'm not ready to go there personally. There are lots of things that need to be fixed on this team. Fortunately, a good portion of them are schematic or just making a different choice in terms of who gets the lion's shares of snaps at different positions. Uh, and then just kind of trying to bring this all back to today's subject and where I think a lot of fans are going to get very disappointed, I think that this Bucks front office is going to say our trade deadline is simply getting guys back healthy. Ah, you know what? That's a very good point because you could say, well, Russell Gage hasn't fully been 100%. We haven't had Ryan Jensen all season long, and Julio Jones is just getting back healthy. And did you see that touchdown that he scored last game? Yeah, it was a garbage time. But, uh, <laughs> um, Talking about the offense, though, and I, the more you say it, the more like, damn it, that's what they are going to do. They're just going to keep <laughs> waiting for everyone to be healthy. I'm, I'm Debbie Downery. You, you mentioned one thing about, uh, you know, some of it's about just the discrepancy in playing time, mm. and I think you and I are both on the same page here. Uh, one playing time that has to be 50-50, if not, you know, 55 45 in the other direction right that's the running that's the running back position yeah with uh leonard fournette and rashad white and i saw someone in the chats earlier saying like we need another running back we need another running back i don't think that's true i think they have two pretty good running backs they're just not playing the right one at the right time yeah yep i would uh, i think a lot of people have maybe brought up kareem hunt as a possible opportunity which Makes a little bit of sense from like the financial standpoint. He's on the last year of his day uh, of his deal. Um, he certainly is a very talented running back. He's shown that he can work well in a timeshare. I think the Bucks kind of have their own version of him in Rashad White. And I have been a big proponent. I think I put up a story last week on Pewter Report and got eviscerated in the comments section about it that uh, I think Rashad White needs to be RB1 going forward. 
I will argue that when you watch him versus Fournette playing, it the Tampa Bay is Dallas 2.0. You've got your big money running back whose legs just aren't what they used to be. He's slower. He isn't as explosive. He isn't as great in the pass uh, passing game. He's not even as good of a run block or a pass blocker these days. And that's Lenny. And Lenny can still be a part of a very um, useful running back committee, just not as the primary guy. And I think Rashad White, at this point, he's more explosive. He's more decisive. He sees the holes better. He's willing to attack them. He's better in the run game. He's better as a run blocker at this point. So I would say that he needs to um, – he would need to be the uh, the starter going forward. And then for like Hopster, BB there, um, yeah, yeah, the offensive line hasn't blocked wet, great this year. Those two things don't have to be binary, right? A poor running game doesn't have to necessarily be the offensive line is good. So it must be, well, since the, the running game is not doing well, it doesn't have to be just, well, the offensive line is good or bad. And then if they are bad, then the running backs are good or the running back is good or vice versa. The two can operate together at the same time. Lenny to say that. <laughs> <laughs> you were just making for me. of that one. <laughs> so I Shout would out say with the comment. Yeah, I would say you know some of that is scheme. Um, if you look at how the Bucks running game is going, a lot of the the blocking issues aren't necessarily the offensive linemen. Not saying they've been perfect all the time. But this Bucks blocking scheme for the run game, it requires tight ends to take on defensive ends. And Kate Otten, it, he's, he's had some good reps, but certainly not consistently uh, at the edges. And even Co-Keefe, who's prone to, proven to be a very good pass blocker here at the NFL level, has had his ups and downs as a run blocker. So... It kind of going back to my original point, just because the blocking up front isn't fantastic doesn't mean that you still don't have the better running back in the RB2 spot right now, which is what I would contend is the, the issue. Um, and you're improving the offensive line by having Nick Leverett out there, if only for an injury issue, but hopefully he continues to, to show that he should just be the starter going forward over Gadecki. And that's something that I'll be writing about this week. Oh, very excited to see that. And that, that's one of the things, you know, we were asked on recent podcasts, like if you were in charge, what would you do or what decisions would you make to, you know, improve them? Cause they are not good right now. I don't think there's any argument there. And one of the things I said was you got to have Nick Leverett in there as the full-time starter over uh, Luke Gedeke. And if you want to get rid of Byron Leftwich, I would, I would recommend that as well. But for the offense itself, we could stick with like the offensive line or, or tight end. Definitely want to get into if they were to make a trade for to improve the offense. Like, what position would you target first? And then more specifically, um, if it's along the the offensive line or at tight end, like is Mike Gesicki an option? Um, another guy we talked about was <laughs> T.J. Hawkinson as well. Yeah, so I think. Um... I think the Bucks offensive issues aren't centered around the tight end. I think Mike Gesicki isn't really a tight end. Mike Gesicki doesn't think he's a tight end uh, as he's currently in a, yeah. uh, a con contractual battle with the Dolphins over what he should be considered for his fifth year option because the wide receiver fifth year tag is 
considerably higher. And he's been saying he's a wide receiver based on how he's lined up. Um, so going back to kind of what the Bucks running scheme is, Mike Gesicki would not fit in well because he's not a good blocker. So all you would do, be doing is exasperating your running game issues. Yeah. <laughs> Kate, Kate Otten's proven to be a perfectly capable receiver in this Bucks offense as a tight end. Um, so I don't think that Gesicki moves the needle in terms of improving your uh, the ability on the running game or in the passing game all that much. Um, so I went and go after him. Hawkinson's a, an amazing talent, but for what you'd be asking him to do in terms of getting acclimated to the Bucks playbook, which is completely different than what the Lions do, um, I just I don't think it's worth the assets you'd be giving up. And again, I don't think it moves the needle all that much. He's a fine blocker, uh, probably an upgrade there. But again, I, I just don't see it. For what you give up, I just don't see it being the, the magic elixir. Uh, I'd be targeting an edge player. I think you can round out the edge room better. Anthony Nelson and uh, Carl Nassib. Carl. Yeah, they're, they're fantastic for what they are, which is rotational edge rushers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd be, you know, I think the Josh Allen, yeah, if you want to give up the farm and just go all in, sure, I'd be on board with that. If you're looking to improve the room without sinking a ton of assets into it, there are two guys I'd probably be looking at. One of them, Ogbenia Okoronkwo. I can't say his name, um, but he's an edge defender out of Houston. And you figure Houston's the sellers, right? Given yeah. their record. And I think that's one of the other things I'll go on a small tangent here, complicating this like as entire long as you need tire process for both for the bucks, as well as everybody else out there. There is so much parody in this league this year. And it's kind of been low level parody, especially in the NFC. I think a lot of teams just can't decide whether they're buyers or sellers and that's yeah. going to limit who's available, right? Houston is a team that you can confidently say they're selling, right? They've already made it uh, abundantly clear that they're trying to offload Brandon cooks, even after signing him to a brand new deal at the beginning of this year. Um, so Okoronkwa, I think he can move into that rotation with Nassib and with Nelson in between the three of them, I think you can kind of uh, uh, create an assimilation of Shaq, right? And then the other one, if you want to go a little bit higher and just say this guy could be a starter pushing Nelson and Nassib back into their more ideal roles would be the other edge defender from Jacksonville, which is Arden Key. And Mm -hmm. I think Key could be a really great, he's kind of a third rusher for them, um, a, because they also have uh, their number one overall pick, Trayvon Walker, right? Um, yeah. So I think Arden Key could be a really good fit for the Bucks. He could step into that kind of number 2A, 2B role with JTS and provide a, a solid amount of uh, production on the other side for, again, not mortgaging all of the future there. Yeah, I like it. It's good to have other options out there other than, you know, the marquee names and understandably Chubbs. And Allen's like they're the ones that you know take the headlines, but it doesn't mean that the Bucks can't improve this team with um, you know another uh, another talented player that maybe just isn't as you know well known. Um, another way you can improve just your life in general, of course, is uh, by just enjoying that pirate life. And of course, 
that pirate life is pirate republic the official beer of pewterreport.com they are based out of the nassau bahamas not nassau county nassau bahamas and they are coming to florida just in time for the football season um pirate public is a beer that brings people to, to together to celebrate life i mean celebrating life in the original spirit of the pirate code which is a sense of belonging uh their community of people living life on their terms they have a couple of different drinks, but uh, the big three that we like to talk about, one is Long John Pilsner, my personal favorite. Uh, it's perfect for tailgating or having fun at the beach in the Florida sun. If you're an IPA fan, even if you're not an IPA fan, you'll like this IPA, the Take No Quarter IPA. It's the best one that you'll drink. Another option you could do is dropping an orange slice in the Golden Haze of Piracy Belgian Wit Beer and enjoy that pirate life. Pirate Public is available at participating retailers like Total Wine and more, Lucan's Liquors, Party Liquors, and select ABC liquor stores in the greater Tampa Bay area, and they're expanding across the state of Florida. So uh, live life on your terms and drink like a pirate with Pirate Republic beer. You see the Long John Pilsner, the red. Then you got the uh, Techno Quarter IPA in the green and the Golden Haze of Piracy Belgian wit beer in that gold-ish color right there um another position i want to talk about with you josh is the wide receiver position before we talk about a couple of trade candidates at wide receiver he's back ladies and gentlemen tyler johnson resigns <laughs> with the tampa bay buccaneers there was a lot of bucks fans out there being like we need to sign tyler johnson we need to sign tyler johnson uh and not to shortchange him they also resigned uh, Ryan Smith, who was a cornerback, but he has been a special teams guru for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the past. So we'll see if he uh, returns to that gunner role on the punt team there. I know they signed him to the practice squad, but you can call guys up. Uh, let me ask you, is Tyler Johnson, does that move the needle at all in any way whatsoever for you? No. Okay, next question. Should they <laughs> sign someone like Cyril Grayson Jr., another guy that has experience in this offense with uh, you know, all the issues they've had at wide receiver, which is not truly having a number three option? To the practice squad, sure. Okay. So, <laughs> clearly, not in the mood to talk about Tyler Johnson, and I don't blame you. No, I mean, it's Tyler a, it's Johnson. It's a no for Tyler Johnson, ladies and yeah. gentlemen. He's not going to do anything for this team. Here, here's the thing. All right, and, and I go back and forth with Bucks fans on this. Tyler Johnson's role in this offense is the same as Chris Godwin's. Chris Godwin is not hurt, all right? So Tyler Johnson doesn't move the needle as that number three receiver because he's not an outside guy. He can't separate on the outside. Now, some have come at me and said, nobody can separate this year. And you know what? You may be right about that. But Tyler Johnson isn't going to be your savior. Um, he He's... Perfect exactly where he is on the practice squad. If Chris got so he's better than Darden or Scotty. He again, not at the things that they're being asked to do, which is be on the outside and win vertically. Tyler Johnson is not a vertical threat. He's an over the middle. I might catch it at nine yards. I may fall forward for 10 yards. I believe his career yards per reception is under 10. Okay. He's not going to fill the role that a lot of people have been clamoring for right i will argue and people are going to come at me and find that i don't care that let's go russell gage has been fine 
he has gotten open. He's doing what he's being asked of in this offense. A lot of it just comes down to the play calls and where he is in the read progressions. Has he been perfect? No. He had one really big game when they needed him to step up when I believe Evans was uh, suspended. Suspended. Yeah, against Kansas City, I think he showed up with the ball. Out with suspension. Out with suspension. <laughs> uh, so, so you want to say Tyler Johnson does more? Yeah, he he goes into the slot where it's a volume position where you're going to get a lot of targets, and he catches the ball and he does nothing with it. Right? Scotty's not going to be asked to do that. It's not his role. Darden's not going to be asked to. It. They're smaller guys. But you want to put him out on the edge and have him run a nine route. Tyler Johnson cannot run a nine route nearly as well as Scotty or Darden. A deep dig, he can't do it. A deep comeback, maybe he's better than Scotty at that because he's got the size. I'll give you that one. But he's not going to fill the Z role better than any either of those two guys. So do I love that they signed him to the practice squad? I do. I think it's great Chris Godwin insurance. Do I think that he's better than Scotty or Darden? I don't think they play the same position, and we need to stop yeah. pretending they do. And I'll get off my soapbox. I like that. Now I appreciate your words. Like, if you want to fight with me, fine. I don't care at this point. <laughs> I was channeling my Devin Let's White go. video. That's really what it was. Yeah, it was a little bit. Um, what I'll say about Tyler Johnson is he had this opportunity last year. You know, when Godwin got hurt, everyone else was injured. He had Antonio Brown was either hurt or left the team. He had his opportunity to step up and show that he could be a top three receiver on this team. And he didn't do anything with it. So then he can, doesn't even make the team out of training camp because he doesn't play special teams. So he's not making himself, uh, what's the word that Byron Leftwich likes to say? Multiple. He's not making himself more multiple <laughs> that way. So, okay, he doesn't make the team, goes to the Texans. He can't make the Texans team. Well, he makes it, but they just released right. him. And I I'm think that he lost for any player that gets cut. But, like, you're not making the Texas team that has one win and isn't going anywhere. Like, now all of a sudden he's going to save the Bucs. I just – I don't see it there. I would almost rather them go with Ciro Grayson Jr. because he's quicker and can play special teams. And yep. he's available. Yeah, absolutely. Ciro can play that Z role. Absolutely. I 100% uh, agree with that. I would say uh, – I was trying to find it here. I was trying to find the re- – oh, here are some of the receivers – that Houston decided to start and play and give more snaps to than Tyler Johnson. Philip Dorsett, Chris Moore. Yeah, not a not right. a ringing endorsement for Tyler Johnson. If I would walk up to the average Bucks fan and say, "Tell me what you think about Philip Dorsett and Chris Moore," they'd be like, "Ah, oh, sorry, man, I don't watch much TV." Yeah. <laughs> Didn't like, see well, that sitcom. I'd be right? like, is Philip related to Tony or something like exactly. that? Exactly. You know? Yeah. Like, like he's not a savior. Okay. But he's great insurance and he's exactly where he needs to be. Now, the the big name that I have seen other people float is Brandon Cooks. I think schematically, Brandon Cooks would be amazing. I know Paul Atwal is chomping at the bit to get um to get Brandon Cooks. And I think it's so fitting that. Brandon Cooks plays for the Texans and then the Bucks signed right. a Texans receiver, but it was Tyler Johnson. So I could just imagine <laughs> like the physical frowny face that Paul will add uh, when he's like, oh, uh, uh, but Brandon Cooks. Yeah. I mean, he absolutely, I think he would play an amazing Z receiver for the Bucks. He could even uh, work into the X role, which would allow 
uh, Evans to maybe move around a little bit and play more slot. And, you know, I think Evans played more slot last week than he has in any other game in his career. Um, so Brandon Cooks is multiple to Byron's uh, buzzword and allows other players to maybe be multiple. Uh, the issue is he's also very, very expensive and he's on the first year of a three-year deal. So that would be your fourth receiver that you would have locked up to over $10 million per year um, for more than one year. And no other team in the history of the NFL has, <laughs> has uh, invested that much assets into a wide receiver room. And I think it's pretty damning if they do that of the receivers they have. And I think that all kind of goes back to this roster was supposedly really, 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 really good. Right. And I still think this roster is very, very good. Yeah. If you look at what the troubles they have outside of left guard, maybe running back, um, the talent is there. Uh, it has been an execution issue. It has been a play design and play call. Well, and I won't even say play design issue. It's been play calling. Some of it's designed just because the offense doesn't scheme guys open easily, like say a wide zone Shanahan type offense. Um, so from a roster standpoint, I don't think they need to add a ton. You want to add an edge because you legitimately lost Jack Barrett for the rest of the year. Makes a ton of sense. But I don't think you need to add to the wide receiver room. I think you need to get more out of the wide receivers you have by putting them in better positions. I don't think you need to add to the tight end room. Same thing. Stop asking them to block defensive ends. And the tight ends are going to look a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, if you want to go find a... Um, uh, like one of those turnstiles when you're at a uh, at a m amusement park and put it at the Mike linebacker position. I think yeah, you get an upgrade there. <laughs> but outside of that, I don't think they need to add a ton. They do need guys to get healthy, and yeah. and so I'm kind of with the Bucks front office on that. I know a lot of uh, Bucks fans probably aren't going to love that assessment, but the secondary has all the pieces to be successful. They just need a few of them to come back. And they've kind of got this window where that may happen with the mini buy here leading into mm -hmm. the Rams game. Then you go to Germany and then you get a full buy. So over the next, um, you know, four weeks or so, you're kind of getting two off. There's, there's some big opportunities to get healthy, get right. And, uh, and then of course the NFC South being as, as bad as it is. Yeah. yeah. Hey, this team, this team is still very talented. They're just horrifically under, achieving and i agree with you i think a lot of it has to go with just the bad play calling by the coaches or just bad personnel alignment i'll keep going back to the julio jones jet sweep it it still to this moment confuses the heck out of me why you would run that with him when you have so many other guys on the team and despite all of these struggles josh the bucks are still a two and a half point favorite going up against the the rams who Rightfully so, have struggled a lot recently, too. But the Bucs are the favorite going into a home game against the Rams. I would have thought they would have been the underdog in that one. Of course, when you say that word underdog, it automatically makes me think of our friends at Underdog Fantasy and all the fun games and prizes you can win uh, over there. Of course, uh, the Pick'em and the Rivals are what we're really big into. They're the easiest way to get some action on the NFL. That's with Underdog Fantasy and their Pick'em and Rival games. You just pick an over-under on your favorite or least favorite player stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. 
Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. You pick between two and five players to fill out your pick'em slip, get every pick right, and take home some cold, hard cash. Use the promo code PEWTER, that's P-E-W-T-E-R, get your first deposit doubled up to $100 by Underdog. Even if you learn from Plant City Math, you know that that is a pretty good deal. Once again, that's Underdog Fantasy with the promo code PEWTER. Of course, you don't just have to use that for football. You can use it for hockey. Uh, the World Series is going on. You can use it for basketball. But, of course, we love using it for all the sports. But when it's football season, it's just a little different. And there's a game on tonight. It is the Bengals and the Browns. I'm going to look very quickly through the pick them right now, see if there's anything in particular that I like. I've hit a couple of these this season, so I'm very happy with that. Probably going to bet on Joe Burrow because he's just an exciting player to watch, and I like watching exciting players. So um, I'm going to go. I like that higher than two passing touchdowns for Burrow. Yeah? All right. I do. I I'm going like to go that. higher there. Then I'm going to go over to – because you got to pick someone from the other team. Hmm. Bradley uh, – sorry, not Bradley Chubb. We've been talking a lot about Bradley Chubb on today's show. But Nick Chubb. I have him on my fantasy team. I'm going to pick him, let's say, over 85 and a half rushing yards. I know everyone knows that the Browns are going to run it, but they're going to run it until you can stop it. So those are my picks for that one. Higher than two touchdowns for Joe Burrow and 85 and a half rushing yards for Nick Chubb. So not going crazy all out with this one, but, you know, that's okay. You got you to gotta pick your battles here and there. Um, I somehow have five players going for fantasy tonight in that game. Really, dude? I have I have one of the ugliest score boxes of all time because I had Derek Carr. Going, he scored one point nine four points. Yeah, and I also had Elijah Moore because like my wide receivers are injured, another one's on a bye. He got me zero points. Ouch. But but I had AJ Brown who popped off Ooh. yesterday. I had Christian McCaffrey who popped off yesterday. So I've scored over 100 points, and it's like I have two players that have scored 41 and 39 points, and everyone else has done like horrible. But I got Nick Chubb and the Bengals kicker going tonight. So I still might win this week. I can't believe it. So I'm down by 57, right? Oh, damn. But 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 I've got a real shot at this because my opponent has Burrow, right? But I've got Brissett, Nick Chubb, Amari Cooper – on offense, I've got McPherson, the kicker for the Bengals, yeah. and then I've got Miles Garrett. So, oh yeah, I remember you saying you do the individual. Yeah. So yeah. basically, I need the Browns' offense to go off. If they right. do, unless it's just a Kareem Hunt day, I should be okay between the those three offensive players. And then I just need Miles Garrett to get third down sacks on Burrow, it down in the red zone to allow the Bengals to kick a bunch of field goals. Yeah, and I should be fine. <laughs> I'd, yeah, I need McPherson to pop off, too. So I've constructed I definitely... this whole scenario. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one more receiver I want to talk about before we get out of here. And you kind of alluded to this earlier with the Broncos winning, and now they're going to be back in on trying to make it to the playoffs. But Jerry Judy was a you know receiver whose name kind of popped up. And I think he's a very exciting guy. But I still think, like, if I were the Broncos, I would be like, hey, we could still, like, figure this out. He played pretty good in the London game. As you see in the picture, he scored a touchdown uh, against the Jaguars uh, on Sunday. But do you really think Jerry Judy gets traded at this point? Obviously, I would like him with the Bucs, even though they already have Evans and Godwin there. But, you know, he's still on that rookie deal. 
Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I think I think the rookie deal part of it, it certainly um, interests me because yeah. I want to say this is year three for him. So again, you'd have him for next year, plus you'd have the fifth year option that you'd have to exercise at the end of this year. Um, so I think that he's intriguing. Again, I worry about what what's Denver going to ask for him. Yeah. Um, and. And then that investment in the wide receiver group, again, coming down to it. So, and what does that wide receiver group look like next year? And how do you get, keep everyone happy? That type of thing. So um, I just, I don't see him being made available. I would not be shocked in the least if the tomorrow 4 PM comes and the Broncos haven't moved him or Chubb. I just, yeah, I, wouldn't. I yeah, I, I could totally see that being the case too. So um, let's hear a word from our friends at Age Rejuvenation. As we age, our hormones decrease, both for men and women. I was tired all the time, had no sex drive. I was groggy. I felt like I was 80 years old because everything hurt. I came to Age Rejuvenation because I was tired all the time. Bioidentical hormones has really made such an impact in people's lives. I actually enjoy shopping now. Got my, all my energy back. Mind is sharp. I feel like I'm 18 again. It was perfect for me. Get with Age Rejuvenation. Do it now. Don't wait. Call Age Rejuvenation today. Look better, feel better, have better sex using Age Rejuvenation. They have t uh, testosterone therapy, peptide therapy, a stem cell, and uh, a lot more than that. You see on there, John Gilmore, former Buccaneer, part of the Pewter Tailgate Show. Um, he speaks very highly of it. Scott Reynolds speaks very highly of it. They're not just spokesmen they are clients as well they uh, absolutely could not recommend this product more age rejuvenation so check them out of course age rejuvenation is one of the presenting sponsors of the celsius pewter report tailgate show brought to you by age rejuvenation of course live at walk-ons we'll be live at the walk-ons in midtown this sunday when the bucks play the rams in a home game the tailgate show will start at 2 30 at the walk-ons in midtown and then the Peter Game Day show featuring myself and a guest. Josh has been on a couple times already and has done a fantastic job. Uh, I'll be on with a guest for the uh, Peter Game Day show live at 425 when uh, the Bucks take on the Rams. We'll give our reactions and analysis to all of that. And, of course, want to remind everyone to like and subscribe to pewterreport.com and uh, all of our social media outlets with uh, our Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and of course our YouTube at Pewter Report TV. Josh, is there anything that we haven't covered that you would like to to mention just yet? Whether it's about another trade candidate you had in mind, or just your overall thoughts on the box before we before we get out of here? Yeah, I think given the state of the NFC, and again, it's a talented roster that just isn't being put in a the best positions to succeed. Yeah, But I think we've done a really great job at Pewter Report, and a lot of other people in the Bucks world have, have kind of signed off on this, is um, there are some things that this coaching staff and this organization can do that can immediately create more success going forward. And in a down NFC, <clears throat> they just need to get into the dance. Yeah. If they can get into the playoffs, they're outside of Philly – there aren't very many rosters that I would say match up extremely favorably with the Bucks, and uh, and they can win against almost any NFC team, and that's really what you want. You know, you 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 get there, and they've got the roster as is to do that. You you make Leverett the left guard, 
you give Rashad White more snaps. Um, you you play call more intelligently, um, which allows you to run the ball more. Yep. Which we're not saying run the ball less. We're saying run the ball in the right spots. Yes. Um, and, Choose and you, your runs wisely. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you do you do those things, and you're not going to gas the defense. And uh, and the Bucks still have a very good shot. They're still, I want to say, fourth or fifth by Vegas's odds in terms of being the NFC representative to win the Super Bowl. No, fourth or fifth overall, I want to say, just for odds to win the the Super Bowl. Um, the Bucks still is, are. I believe so. I, I haven't looked wow. since Sunday, so that may have changed a little bit. They're still way up there. Um, so the, the season is not lost. I think the last one, and I put it in the pewter report chat, um, but if you want to go in a completely different direction, here's the trade I would make. All right, this is the blow-up trade. You trade Tom Brady for Trey Lance straight up. Okay, Brady gets to go home. Shanahan gets his competent quarterback to finally win the big one. The Bucs get a young franchise dude without giving up picks, and they'll still have a high first in order to build for the future. Scott Reynolds finally gets Blaine season, and the Bucs fans get to go back to their normally scheduled programming of planning for the draft in November. So everybody wins. <laughs> yeah, that's one way to look at it. <laughs> I'm so glad I can't see the comments coming through. That's yeah. only on your end. <laughs> it's <laughs> all right. Like, for Get now. this guy off our screens. DB12 Gomez says, okay, I like the studio. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. I have one fan. <laughs> no, you have a lot of great fans. And for those that don't know, Josh does so many great things at Peter Report. Like I mentioned, the, uh, the Devin White video, which if you haven't watched it yet, Devin White was unplayable against the Ravens. Uh, uh, Josh went into detail about a lot of that. He's got a lot of great articles at uh, pewterreport.com where you can, it's another version of like the film breakdown, but with a little bit more of the written word. So uh, check out his work at pewterreport.com. Check out his videos on uh, Pewter Report TV. Make sure you like and subscribe to this. So Josh, thanks again for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Always enjoy talking with you so uh, for josh capo i'm matt matera saying thanks everybody for watching and we will see you on wednesday for another edition of the peter report podcast out and happy halloween out <laughs>